when you think the bubble is about to burst and Carlos's magic touch might not be all we think it is. Albion go and produce a display and a comeback like that. Now we're in the playoffs. And are you daring to dream? Is it on? Well, it certainly could be. We'll discuss the Luton comeback, the playoff chances and more on today's Baggies broadcast. Hello and welcome to the Baggies broadcast with me, Johnny Drury, and the Baggies main man, Lewis Cox. Cox, are you well? I'm well, Johnny. Yourself? I'm all good, man. I'm all good. A good, even better after that Luton comeback, which we're going to talk about an awful lot. It's a little bit of a shorter pod than usual today, just because we've got a schedule this week at the Express and Star. Um, but we'll, later in the week, we'll be bringing you um, a bit of a longer video, previewing Burnley and talking about this, that and the other. But today we'll talk about Luton, the Muhammad Ali-inspired Luton comeback, if you've read <laughs> the Express and Star this morning. Um, we'll look a little bit at the FA Cup tomorrow evening, talk playoffs, talk transfer window. We'll talk a little bit about, about the loan, if we've got any updates. Um, we've got And we've got a Cox versus Drury head-to-head quiz to bring you. Now, we've just recorded that before we come on this podcast. So um, stick around and see how... Uh, See how we got on, but we'll start. It was a thriller, wasn't it? Absolute thriller. It, it was a thriller, yeah. It was. It, it rivaled Albion's comeback at Luton. It wasn't quite <laughs> as good, um, but um, but yeah, we'll see. But we're going to start with our new segment, as always, alternative Albion or the baggage broadcast equivalent of Room One Hundred and One, as we told you last week. And usually, it's about stuff that we don't like. So last night, Sunday evening, I was sat down watching TV and I was trying to think of something that got my goat at Kenilworth Road the other day. Um, apart from actually being soaked by a puddle. And we referenced oh. this in our video um, the other day, but we were walking to the we were late to the ground because the traffic was awful. Um, so we were walking from Sainsbury's car park in Luton. I think it's up the main street. And this guy in a souped up whatever car it was saw a big puddle, saw four unsuspecting young men walking along the pavement and decided to drive through as fast as he could and absolutely drench us. So I sat in my seat at Kenilworth Road for about a good hour just soaked so that was a bad start to the day and from that point onwards then we went 2-0 down I thought it's not going to be our day but there we go that was, was our black, it was it was a black Merc wasn't it so if you were driving a blackout Merc, Merc about yeah. 2pm in Luton yesterday then you're a and terrible you, terrible yeah. human being and, it, and if you're listening to this we're, we're coming for you um and but, it, it, worse still Team Express and Star myself and Johnny were um we, we were the, we were the ones walking so the shields the road shielding our good friends yeah. from Birmingham Live and the Athletics. So so we took the uh, we took the hit. Force. We? we took the full force of it. So uh, yeah, not a good start to the day, but at least it uh, at least it ended well. But I was racking my brains trying to think of something else football related that got my goat, and I couldn't think of anything. But what I did think of is something that usually gets my goat, but it didn't on Saturday. I was sort of egging it on because two West Brom players like perfected it so Jed Wallace was substituted when West Brom had gone 3-2 up he walked off the pitch and they do the usual clapping to the away fans um, but instead of doing it while walking he just stood still to waste a little bit of time and the Luton players didn't like that I think a couple of them shoved him off and then Jason Malumby went down after a sort of soft tackle on the uh, the edge of the pitch um, and just rolled over and Clearly time wasted and got Alan Campbell booked for uh, Alan Campbell, got a bit shirty with it. Um, so I thought Albion's time wasted, unsportsmanship really, but time wasted um, was down to a T on Saturday. I thought it was perfection. So that's something that usually gets our goat. But if Albion were doing it, then we'll, uh, we'll back them up. So that's the uh, 
that's our latest. And if there's anything down there that got your goat a little bit coxy. Um, although I will say as well, we said last week it was about chance, but Albion came up with a uh, another a, a, a creative one, which I can't quite remember what it was, but I remember someone telling me on the way back in the car. So um, obviously the British fans are listening. I'll tell you what got my goat. Um, when we finally arrived late, having been you know rained on, splashed in the puddle, general general miserable day so far. We arrived in um, not the largest press room in the uh, in the championship and uh, and our good friend friend from the aforementioned athletic Elliot Burke dived in and had the very last sausage roll oh, it, it was poor form poor form poor form but um, yeah it's <laughs> at 2-0 down 10 minutes in with I mean I actually replied to someone on an Albion fan on Twitter who hadn't yet got in the ground saying uh yeah, turn around and go off. So I'm glad he ignored me, to be honest. But yeah. uh, the, the way our day was going, it, it didn't feel like a 3-2 win was on. But thankfully, uh, Albion delivered in style. Yeah, I had a few Albion fans tweeting me at 2-0 down saying you've jinxed it because you said we could get into the playoffs. Um, but uh, but share the pressure with come on. Yeah, but I certainly replied to them on Twitter at full time saying um, what was that you were saying but um, mm-hmm. but yeah there's your our alternative Albion um, we're going to look at the game now look at Luton skirt over a few things we didn't look at on Saturday uh, one was Daryl DK Daryl DK started at Luton on Saturday scored um, and he played 90 now he was knackered in the last 15 minutes which shows that he's still got a bit of time to get up to match fitness but everything else is positive apart from that first 10 minutes Lewis but to get DK through 90 is massive and it'll be huge for Corbran, I imagine. Yeah, um, he played a huge role, didn't he, on Saturday? And um, sort of forced, let's be honest, with the Thomas Asante ban, so, sort of forced. He was knackered at the end, wasn't he? He was absolutely blowing, but he had the right to because he put himself about... I mean, do you remember early in the game, Johnny? We, we looked at him, didn't we, and said he, he... Not for the first time since he's come back. He looked a little bit tired, a little bit sort of lethargic, yeah. um, but maybe that was just... You know, without being a couple of goals down and a, a sluggish start across the board, perhaps. Um, they were a bit shell-shocked, weren't they, at 2-0? But he certainly got a second wind and was um, was a big part of that improvement as the first half went on. Obviously, hit the crossbar before he got his goal. I was a big fan of the way he got his goal, you know, running off the shoulder onto a, onto a sort of high through ball, uh, beating the keeper to it. I thought that was quite encouraging to see that kind of goal from him because we know what he can do from crosses into the box we've seen that I mean the the goals before Luton the header at Sunderland the um the header against Redden at the Hawthorns that's that's sort of his his meat and drink isn't it but you know we saw him off the shoulder uh racing onto one and finishing so that was that was good and yeah he's a massive part of it second half I mean there, there was very little Luton pressure but he he had to occupy Luton actually played a back three and he, he had to occupy them all, really, put himself about, chase the ball as the lone striker. Again, I think it was his first 90 minutes, so he would have naturally been knackered as the second half went on anyway. It was just a massive effort, and, uh, and for that very reason, obviously, you'd expect him not to be involved against Chesterfield tomorrow night as we speak. Um, and by the way, it's probably worth mentioning he, he had to give that massive effort, didn't he? Because as was flagged, by many supporters before the game, there, there was no striker on the bench, was there? Um, obviously, Matty Phillips has and can do that role. And Carlos Corbran was talking about sort of false nines last week, Swift and Rogic possibly playing there. But there's no natural 
striker with uh, with Carl and Grant sort of nursing a precaution. So um, he had to do it, didn't he? He had to give a big shift, and he did. And uh, hopefully he can put his feet up until Burnley now. Yeah, fingers crossed. We'll talk about Jason Malumbi there at the top of the, uh, the podcast, but just a midfield maestro, isn't he? Gets everywhere, covers, covers every blade of grass. And Albion fans are saying he's the most improved player under Corbrand. Is that a statement you'd agree with, Coxie? Yeah, um, probably, yeah. I'd say, I'd say, I mean, certainly agree. He's, he's transformed his season, hasn't he, really? I think that's fair to say. Um, absolutely turned it around. And I I was a, obviously, I can only speak from from this season. I, I was a fan of his early on. I could obviously quickly see what he's all about and what, what his strengths are. Don't get me wrong, I don't think he's particularly great early on in the season, but I don't think any of them were really. Um, but he, you never got him down into tools or you never sort of thought he wasn't at full tilt giving it all and um but yeah he's he's found new levels to his game i think hasn't he? he's gone up several gears um a couple of comp- you know competitors i would say for most improved on un- under corber and i think you know we have to speak for yakuza's form but granted all right we know how good of a footballer and a the player he was from his previous stint, I, I get that, but obviously he had a bit of a sluggish start with a minimal preseason, and I think Matt, you know, word for Matty Phillips as well, he was supreme. I thought on Saturday, the, the couple of crosses, certainly the one for the winner, was an absolute joke. To be honest, what a delivery! Um, interestingly, out on the right, where everyone's more familiar with with seeing him, and of course, over the years, we we know what Matty Phillips is about. It's not, it's not that he's improved. Out of nowhere, obviously, he's shown this form through spells of his his long career. But think back to the start of the season. I mean, he just was not playing full stop, was he? I think post Middlesbrough, the opening day, didn't start in the league for for months, absolutely ages, um, possibly up to up to October. So he's only under Carlos Corbran forced himself into a you know starting regular again over obviously yeah. Green, um, Dean Garner, who was flying at the start of the season. So yeah, a word for Phillips as well as in in the improved department and. Excellent on Saturday. Yeah, I can cut my script down now because you've uh you've just oh, sorry, mate. point I was gonna talk about <laughs> as well with Phillips. That saves us a little bit of time. I'm gonna talk fullbacks now. Um Connor Townsend uh, got loads of plaudits for his goal on Saturday in his performance, and Donald Furlong did as well. And we listened to a bit of a phone in on the way back from Luton when we were in the car, um, us four journalists, and people were waxing lyrical about Furlong and and uh, Townsend who've come in for a lot of flat this season, so I think justified some of it not justified um is it a case of trying not to get too over the top on their performances Lewis because a lot of the time they have and I don't want to be a downer on Luton the Luton display in the win and, and, and full credit to Townsend getting at the back post and getting that goal and played really well very good offensively um is it a case of they if Alvin did go up or even if they stayed down they're two positions that they probably need to freshen but credit where credit's due at the moment they're, they're playing pretty well to be quite honest, yeah, I, I've felt that Townsend and Furlong have quietly been good for a few weeks now, if not longer, if not prior to the World Cup break, I think. And it was interesting speaking to Townsend after the game, um, when he was put up to interview after his goal heroics, just hearing him speak. I haven't been able to write this up yet, but hearing him speak about how Carlos Corbrand's helped his game, helped him find some some form, some consistency. I think both of them have. I think I think they've quietly been very effective. I think they're two roles that are of real importance in a core brand side in this back four. 
think a lot's asked of them. A lot's asked of them to build up those relations with the winger, with Phillips on the one side and Wallace on the other. I think we see them, see their little sort of patterns and movements. It's quite clear. I mean, Townsend was talking about playing more sort of inverted. Uh, we saw him, didn't we, in the game at Luton, Johnny? You know, at times you said, is he is Townsend playing attacking midfield here? It was really quite, quite stark. Um, we did a good job of it. And I think Furlong, a very tricky start to the season, didn't he? And in and out, it took quite a lot of, of stick. Yeah, Townsend too, but Furlong's found a level of consistency too, I would say, where he's sort of it's a little more assured, I'd say, defensively and um, and always willing to to link up with Wallace. Um, no, they, they, they need depth there. They need quality backup competition there, no doubt. I mean, especially if they go up, which is obviously the aim. Um, there has there has to be more depth, you know, to push for that starting spot. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't like to say that Townsend or Furlong don't wouldn't deserve to be starters because if they help Albion get up, then they've done something very well this season. But yes, I mean, you look at right back. There's no natural backup at the minute, is there at all? You got Gardner Hickman playing there, or you know, it might even be Martin Kelly or something like that. Um, left back, yes, Peters, who of course is playing in the middle, is is a good option. But um, there's still the fullback positions do need freshening, strengthening. Uh, but that's not that's not to do, do a disservice to those two who I, you know, I repeat, I think have been excellent for a few weeks now, and um, you know, deservedly keeping their places at the moment as as consistent, regular performers under Corbyn. I don't think they've done a lot wrong at all between them. Um, Townsend, it was the best I've seen him play on Saturday. Um, involved in the goals, just. Constant threat, assured and quality with the ball. And uh, yeah, I hope they can continue it because if they can stay sort of fit, fresh, available for league games, I think they've been you know, they've been a big weapon and, and really useful under Corbyn. Yeah. Um, just finally, I referenced it earlier in the podcast about Muhammad Ali and how um, Carlos Corbyn had, had used a photograph of Muhammad Ali, uh, <laughs> yeah. if I'm reading correctly, to inspire the Luton comeback. Now, Modern coaches are known for sort of thinking outside the box. Um, Lewis, that must have been an incredible line to get. I'm not sure when you were standing there talking to Carlos Corbrand, you were sort of laughing inside or, you know, just a bit bemused <laughs> yeah, by what he said um, the other day. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a surprise, Johnny, to, uh, to be fair. Um, he'd, he'd spoken a bit earlier in the interview to our colleagues um, and he, he does like and use the word insist a lot. Um you know, just just in terms of what what he wants from his from his team, you know, insist this, insist that, X Y Z. Um, so I, I sort of I sort of mentioned that in in my first question to him, uh, and yeah, he, he came straight back. Two words before this game, I put up insist and resist. You know, you insist to do this, you have to resist this from the opponent, and then yeah, went into the Muhammad Ali and an analogy. Um, must have been quite the quite the team meeting to have that kind of example of the uh, well, who most considered the greatest boxer of all time to be sort of thrust up in front of you and to take inspiration from. I mean, you would be inspired, wouldn't you? Looking at classic Ali like pictures or videos and stories, that is that is top level sport and inspirational stuff. And uh, well, it didn't work for ten minutes, did it? Well, having said that, Albin had a really good four or five minutes. It didn't work between minutes five and fifteen, but then it. Uh, Certainly, Albion uh, definitely got up off the canvas, didn't they, and and struck back nice, um, to, nice to, 
Thanks, mate, to land that knockout blow. And, uh, you know, they, they, <laughs> they, they were excellent from, from minute 20 onwards and, you know, much the better side. And, and let's be fair, Luton are no mugs. Yes, they're plucky and it's not the most glamorous surroundings down there, but they were seventh. Now, what were we further than midway through the season? And they were seventh on beating in four. Don't think they'd lost at Kenilworth for a good long time. Um, two nil down. I, as we were saying on Saturday night, you don't win many in the league from two nil down. Do you two goals down? So it was um, really one to savor. And and yeah, they are flying at the moment. The confidence couldn't be any greater. And it's a proper together unit, isn't it? And they're loving working under the head coach. The fans are so on board. It couldn't be much better on the pitch at the moment. No, no, you're right. Um, you mentioned the the comeback there. I think a fan had dug into it and, and it's been verified that the last time Albion came from two goals down to win or came from behind to win. I think it was from behind to win. Two goals down, I think the stat was, yeah, wasn't it? 2008 against Colchester, which is a game that I always bang on about. It was one of the best I've ever been to. So <laughs> it shows just how long it's been. Um, so that's Luke. And yeah, nice little caveat there or... Um, sideways step into chat about Paul Brown, really. We spoke about the West Ham links last week, but Albion fans have been getting a bit worried. And I've seen Albion fans at in West Ham saying, don't come for Paul Brown. He's not a very good manager. You don't want him. Um, let us keep him. Um, but look, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I was thinking of scenarios where West Brom might lose Paul Brown. It's, I think it's a sign of modern football, the fact that clubs turn over managers so quickly <laughs> that more jobs come up. It means your manager, if he does really well, which Corbran has done, you know, nine wins from 10, is going to be more susceptible to to offers from elsewhere. And if you look in the Premier League at the moment, it's not just West Ham. Um, you've got Leeds, where Corbran has really strong links to, and he's well thought of at Ellen Road. Everton, look like probably Frank Lampard's only got a few more weeks left in him if he can't start winning games. There's three clubs that... Bournemouth. But yeah, Bournemouth as well. But clubs that will... Look around the market, but right, who's doing well at the moment? It's like who's the, who's the, you know, who's the hot, you know, I don't yeah. know, the hot item to buy at the moment. You know, if that's what football's like at the moment. It's really strange, and and I suppose we knew interest would come in Corbrand, but for me, he, he strikes me as a guy that has morals and has integrity, and I think at the earliest, if West Brom are going to lose Corbrand, it'll be at the end of the season if they don't go up potentially. If he gets West Brom, say to a player final and loses, like he did with Huddersfield. Clubs are going to come for him still anyway, and he's yeah, under yeah. and he's under contract, so they'll have to pay compensation. And I think he knows that he's got something really good going on at West Brom. Mm-hmm. I agree with um, that most of what you said there, really, Johnny. He does. I mean, obviously, we can never, you know, you can never say never and never say anything for definite, can you? You know, if clubs that most, if not all, of the clubs we've just mentioned, they're absolutely huge football clubs, aren't they? I mean, not saying that Albion aren't, of course, they are too, and uh, want to be among that top flight, but. You know, Leeds, West Ham, Everton, massive, massive clubs. But um, you're right. He will know, certainly as it's going on the pitch, he's got some excellent going on at the Hawthorns. Um, Less said in that regard, off the pitch, uh, the better. But, you know, he's clearly not letting that distract him so far, is he? Um, You have to say that. And he does strike me as an all-in. Well, he definitely is an all-in individual. If he's taking something on, he's buying into it more than 100% he's giving his everything for it and you know he's yes we're only two and a half nearly three months in under him but he's done he, he started the job but he's he's made the job happen like the the job 
I don't think we thought it was even on, did we really? The the job was initially like, let's get out of the relegation zone job. But now the promotion job is on and he's making it happen. And hmm. it's only on because of him and he'd want to see it through. I'm absolutely sure of that. And uh, yeah, we can't speak for what would happen with regards to playoff success or not. But um, yeah, a lot, a lot of work to do before then. And I do, I would add and repeat that it's, it would be a big call to, you know, if, if any of those, you know, big top flight clubs came knocking and we don't know that they will, we don't know that they won't. Obviously, West Ham have also been linked in a bit of a speculative piece and it's got background and roots in Leeds, which will, if anything happens to Jesse March, I'm sure lead, Leeds fans for to, to bang the Carlos drum, but it, it couldn't have gone better for him on the pitch here, could it? And um, and why turn it all in when you got, you know, sell out 25, 26 thousand home crowd home crowd people sort of worshipping him already yeah hearing his name built a real strong affinity and yeah yeah it's got it's got to be summer at the earliest hasn't it and um i think albion would be would be devastated if if anyone came calling like you said they've got the security of the contracts and the finances and we can never say never but if whenever change happens at the big at the top flight clubs and they are you know, and Corbran is still on their radar and they still come sniffing, then Albion are still flying. And um, yeah, hopefully the playoffs are sort of long, long since secured um, as we get close to the end of the season. So things aren't, things aren't sort of uh, squeaky and, uh, and, and maybe even close the gap on, on those top two. You know, I mean, that, obviously that starts at Burnley, doesn't it, on Friday night? Hopefully um, that would be a big ask. But yeah, the, there's a massive job still still to be done here, clearly, and um, get Albion back where they belong. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, that's Carlos boxed off. Um, Lewis, we were expecting, or we were told that the um, Gauchinai's 4.95 million slash 5 million pound loan was going to be paid by um, the 35th, well, the end of the year, really, the end of last year. Um, wasn't paid. Statement came out saying it'll be paid. Uh, Gauchinai can assure fans that it will be paid early this year. Now, I'd say early this year is or early Jan. Did you say early January? I think early, early in the new year. year I think early in the new year. I would say maybe early in the new year is maybe starting to come to a little bit of an end now. Um, <clears throat> certainly is for me. I'm back to normal anyway um, for the festive period. But I'm looking think, at it as midway through dry January. Yeah, midway through dry January. Yeah. Um, I probably know the answer to this, but we're going to tick it off anyway. I'm, I'm guessing we've we've heard nothing, so there's no more. Nothing more new to add on that. Well, no, we the, you're right. You know, obviously vague, vague time frame given on that statement and leaves just questions rather than answers, doesn't it? No one knows what early in the year means. There haven't been any more official comms on that. Um, hasn't been any more noise about it being close or, or certainly paid. Um, obviously, be able to bring you more news on that when we can. But, you know, as, as to where we look to ask and provide any answers, I mean, you know, who knows if, you know, who knows when and I suppose more personally, if that money is ever going to be repaid, I suppose. Probably a short list of only a handful of people who, yeah, if that, who know the answer to that. So, um, and I don't envisage just speaking to those anytime soon. So, um, yeah, no, no real update. And But you're right, early into the new year, I mean, who knows when that starts and ends. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... Certainly difficult to tell. Um, January transfer window, all quiet, really, Lewis, from what we can 
Yeah, a lot of movement so far. When did we do the last pod, Johnny? Was it Friday or Thursday? Thursday, um, yeah. Yeah, I know we spoke. Uh, we spoke about some players, didn't we? But um, sort of no no movement on that. We had that was it. We we had the um, pre Luton press conference with Carlos first thing Friday. He um, he gave a couple of, uh, of sort of interesting lines. I mean, he sort he balked at the idea of. Um, I mentioned the window. I mentioned sort of mid- midfielders linked, and he just sort of took a big laugh at how every player linked seems to be one of his former players, which is not every player, but it, it does seem to be happening, doesn't it, in the case of um, Russell and O'Brien, um, which is most interesting. And he, he, like, he's respectful and didn't really go into the individuals because they belong to other clubs, but spoke about the, the certainly the influence Lewis O'Brien had for him at Huddersfield, but then reeled off every member of his Huddersfield squad. Um, he, he sort of, yeah, he talked down the Lewis O'Brien thing. He really did. I mean, I do maintain that if Forrest make him available for loan, by the way, that I don't see why Albion wouldn't be there. You know, wages dependent, it would have to be said. Um, and how much of a portion of those wages Albion would be able to spend and afford. But um, no, he did sort of shoot it down and, and he did um, give actually sort of time frame, not a time frame, but he, he suggested that. Things are likely to be late in the window, realistically. Um, didn't seem to expect anything now or imminent. And like most transfer windows, windows seem to, um, yeah, to, to run on and run on. He, he sort of laughed about how he'll be spending up to midnight on the 31st in the training ground, which is what none of us want after how August finished. No. We, like the, uh, we like the nice early ones, like you, you Wallace and Swift wrapped up, uh, wrapped up first thing, don't we? But. Yeah, it doesn't always work like that, does it? Certainly when it gets to January. And um, and he, he just rightly, you know, pointed to the domino effect of it takes one club to sort themselves out before they can then allow A, B and C to happen, which is understandable, isn't it? And um, and Albion will move if they can. They've got, I'm sure, yeah, players that they would like to bring in if if um, that would be feasible. Regards um, parent clubs, re- regards funds. So um, so watch this space. Yeah, I. If you put a gun to my head and ask if I thought Albion would enter, you know, February the first with a new body, at least one, I would, I would lean towards yes. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's by any means guaranteed. No, no, that's right. Um, other talking points. Um, we talked about Kenza Hall last week and the links of him leaving Albion or a, a contract being cancelled. Um, Carlos Corbran has basically said he hasn't been training. Um, last week, he might have had a chance of being in the squad at Luton. Mm. Um, any updates on that, Coxie, or are we just sort of waiting and seeing at the moment? Uh, um, the, he also said at the same time um, he won't feature against Chesterfield uh, tomorrow night at the Hawthorns because of the same reason. I mean, it's just, you know, what, what can you say? You, I don't think much more can be said. Carlos Corbrand's very coy on certain issues when it, when it, I think, when it comes to individuals and maybe their futures. Um, Steve Bruce, his, his predecessor, obviously was quite vocal about Zahor's future being over um, last summer. Corbran won't go that far, I don't think. But I think if you can read between the lines of, you know, the head coach just saying he needs to train before anything else, I think you can read into, um, trying to think of the right word here, not frustration, can read into, you know, just, just the fact that maybe Zahor needs to have far more time on the training field getting into a place where he could be ready to feature for any team uh yeah so that that was the update there obviously he didn't feature and and as i touched on at the at the top there was 
there's not a single striker on the bench, was there? Um, no, Joe, we saw you spotted actually, didn't you, Johnny? Joe Van Malcolm travelled um, under 21's front man travelled down to Luton and was involved in the warm ups. Carlos Corbran was asked about that post match actually, and sort of hinted that likes of Malcolm, perhaps Reyes Cleary could be involved tomorrow night. That'll be interesting to watch out for, won't it? But I mentioned Carl and Grant was left out as a precaution. I think they're hopeful that Grant will be okay to feature tomorrow. Obviously, he scored in the um, <clears throat> the initial tie in Chesterfield, didn't he? When when Thomas Asante got got a brace and subsequently suspended. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the the whole side tomorrow will be interesting to see, actually. Um, yeah, and certainly in the forward department. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I suspect we'll see Ken's Owen and Alvin shit again. And just on player-wise, one other who's come back in, a few lone players have come back in. Josh Griffiths came last week and back from Portsmouth. He was on the season-long loan, but Alvin had recalled him, decided to give him a chance in the first team. Portsmouth were surprised. They were led to believe they'd probably keep him for the rest of the season. But Carlos has said he's not going out on another loan. He, he's going to be given a chance to, to fight in there for a spot. Can we expect to see Griffiths on the bench instead of Button in the coming weeks? Obviously, tomorrow he's cup tied. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, but I suppose it would be, will it be counterproductive to recall him and then not have him in the squad? Well, I see that. I see that argument. I do. Um, I don't agree entirely. I think, I think in his comments, Carlos Gorman, I thought they were very interesting comments. I think he almost intimated that He's learned and grown as much as he can in these loans. Like he's played 110 games out of three clubs or whatever it is. He's he's done his he's done the hard yards and his reward for what he's done at Portsmouth, which I know we've read mixed reviews. Portsmouth have had a bit of a dire time of it, haven't they? But Carlos Corbran's clearly decided that that now is the time. I want to see what he's like day to day around the group, how he performs in training. Can he perform better than Button in training? And if so. We'll get on the bench. I, I have no doubts about that. It wouldn't surprise me at all if moving forward in the weeks to come, we see him see him appear, and that will be interesting. Obviously, it's a shame it can't be tonight. He was involved in the cup for Pompey, wasn't he, against Spurs when uh, when Kane got the winner? So that was a good experience. I think, yeah, I I see a world where he forces himself into the number two role. I don't agree with the argument that it's counterproductive just to have him around here and then not on a match day. I think he can pick up a hell of a lot, you know, working with it. First team squads, first team, first team staff. Um, I think that can be very beneficial. We know how highly he's rated at the club. And um yeah, it'd be excited to see exciting to see if he can sort of deliver on that. I mean, look at look at the Alex Palmer story across the last what mm. seven, eight years and then this season. Um you know, Griffiths is what five years is younger, so there's um, there's a lot of time ahead, and for 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 Josh Griffiths, and yeah, I, I have no doubts we'll see him in a matchday squad uh, between now and the end of the season. I would say. Right, time for an advert. As always, the Baggies broadcast is brought to you in association with the Kettle and Toaster Man. They've got a range of kitchen products, not just kitchen products, all household items up for sale at great prices. They've also got an absolute rock of air fryers, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast. You can get yourself, well, you can get your hands on a Tower Vortex 9-litre dual basket air fryer um, in black for just £110. And that's just one of many deals the Kettle and Toaster Man has online at kettleandtoasterman.co.uk or in store on in Briley Hill on Thorns Road. 
Right, time for some questions. Um, we've got a few which we're going to rattle through. Um, it's going to be a shorter podcast than usual today as um, our weeks are quite busy, as we've said. So we're going to bring you a longer video later in the week to discuss all the goings on and preview Burnley on um, on that video. Um, how has CC changed the training? We've got awful to beasts in such a short time. What's he doing differently? Sure. I think um, I, just in terms of the style of manager and head coach from from Steve Bruce to, to Corbyn, I think you've gone from, yeah, admittedly, you know, we don't get to see that, but just from what you hear and, and read and, and reputations as well, I think you've gone from one end of the scale right to the other, just in terms of being a coach that, that uh, level attention to detail, that work rate, that intensity day to day I know it was a big shake up when he came in towards the end of October just in terms of work rate hours you know detail all of that um and it, and it's all worked hasn't it I think we mentioned detail and mentioned uh Corbin, you know tactical sort of coach modern thinking I think what I've also gleaned as well I think he's made things quite clear and and not not maybe not basic but offered real clarity and I think I think we saw that quite early didn't we maybe from I don't know three four games in certainly that it was quite clear here Alvin's setup and formation was quite clear players were very clear on what they were doing and it was paying dividends straight away didn't it well from the from the second game in when the win started um I think we could see a settled structure and we could see that we see a buy-in see an understanding and a clarity and I think those are major parts of it and I think we've heard tales haven't we we spoke about the RLE one just and um, you know using just a couple of words like sort of almost buzzwords and then we heard in the World Cup break when they went over to to Spain wasn't it we heard about you know watching sort of motivational inspirational videos I think it paints a clear picture of an emotive head coach as well someone who really gets yeah. gets into his players feelings almost and we know I mentioned the attention to detail how we um, how he uses old clips, you know, years of old clips of players and old footage about when they were, when they were flying or maybe when they were struggling and uses that to, to help them learn. I mean, that's sounds sort of chalk and cheese to how it was. And, um, well, it's absolutely paying off, isn't it? I mean, it's just great. No, it's, it is great to see. Thank you very much for your question. I'll have sent that one in. Um, other ones we've got, um, what players can we expect to leave on loan or permanent? Um, you'd say if Zahor goes, it'll be permanent, and then any youngsters would be loans. I can't imagine just to, to change that question a little bit because we get a lot of questions like this. Aside from Zahor and youngsters, I can't imagine anyone else leaving first team wise. Who was that, mate? Aside from Zahor and Zahor and maybe some of the youngsters in and around the fringes of the squad, i.e., uh, your um, your Clearies or your Jova Malcolms and people like that. Yeah, of course. Wait, what it is a balancing act. And while I'm sure Albion would be, you know, very keen to shed the wage bill um, just to help running matters and to help your know, budgets um, for players coming in the other direction, you know, it's I appreciate it's quite easy for supporters to reel off a list of names of A, B, C, and D of uh, we, they're hardly playing, we don't need them anymore. But but actually, if you took them out and back up centre mid, you want to back up centre halves, and then you get a long term injury. You could be you could be right in the mire, couldn't you? So you know, we've, we've heard 
call around rightly speak about how he's pleased with the the strength of his squad yes that squad did not deliver at chesterfield at all did it and it's probably going to have another chance to deliver to, tomorrow night um in getting one over spy rights at home which you'd hope it can do um probably then get everyone out in the fourth round on it and against um against swansea or whoever else it is swansea or bristol city um yeah, so it is a balancing act, I think. Like, oh, Zahor's an, an exception, isn't he? Because he's clearly frozen out and nowhere to be seen in a, in a matchday squad. But by and large, the rest of them are in matchday squads, aren't they? I know Jake Livermore hasn't been for a long time, the skipper, although he was on Saturday. So sort of shows his first in reserve. Yes, that's an expensive and costly first in reserve. I, I get it. But again, club captain, been there for so long, out of contract at the end of the season. Is he really going to leave six months early? I don't see a world where that comes. You know, people talk about Adam Reach. You know, he, he's almost on a sub every game, isn't he? So, so versatile, so able to play as an emergency in so many different roles. Um, people will touch on Martin Kelly signing a two-year deal. And maybe Kelly is one that like, he's not been on the bench in the league as he at all and hasn't played much football. And maybe is one you could shift on. Yes, perhaps. But on the flip side, he's only just signed a two-year deal, hasn't he? So... Yeah, I think I think you're right to mention obviously the young ones who probably do need that loan. And once these FA Cup ties in Jan are out of the way, they'll probably look to sort that. Um, I'm actually looking forward in the next couple of weeks to being able to take in a couple of Albion 21s games at, at home at, at Hensford Towns, Keys Park. So looking forward to a couple of chats with um with Rich Beale just to see where where a couple of the youngsters are. Obviously, we saw um Ashworth at Chesterfield. Sort of struggle with the rest of the players, didn't we? And um, and there were others, sort of similar age and um, at similar age and position to him, really, just in terms of where their development is. I've said before, I think loans would be good for them. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what what the club have got planned for them, really. Yeah, no, it'll be um, it'll be good to see what happens on that um, on that front. Thank you very much for your question. We'll just read out a few more. Aside from squad depth. Do you see any weaknesses in the side under Corbram? We may have seen almost, we seem to have been almost flawless since he arrived. I'm struggling to think of any, which is obviously a good thing. Is there any weaknesses to Corbram's? Um, well, I, I wasn't a fan of how that second goal was considered the other the other day at Luton. Sort of deep, wide free kick and about three orange hatter shirts unmarked at the back post, ready to head in, weren't they? But let let's be fair, that's the first they've conceded from a dead ball under him is it I can't remember the Sheffield United goals in, in his first game if I'm being honest um, I sort of wiped that from my memory really um, the others have been penalties haven't they so yeah it'd be harsh to say dead balls um, where else are they weak other than squad depth obviously squad depth in, in certain positions isn't it um, I don't know you'd have to get back to it I'd have to have a real think about that um, nothing's jumping out I don't know what you think Johnny whether you can think of anything obvious no, it's um, difficult, isn't it? It's more the strength in depth, I suppose, but that's not down to Corbett and that's down to yeah, that's down to the boys. And there are and, and, and there are players that can fit. You know, there's there's no lack of depth in centre midfield, for example, is there? Or you know, some wide positions you've you've got Dean Garner as cover, and I know he's been off the boil a little bit, but you'd hope with a run of games he could get up to speed, sort of thing. You know, up front, I suppose there's an argument there beyond DK and Thomas Asante, isn't there? Um, yeah, but look at it. it. It's going so well. It is. It is very difficult to pick flaws. Um, you know, beyond options. Yeah. No, it is. There's not. 
there's not a lot that he's done wrong so far. Um, just everything he touches does sort of turn to turn to gold at the moment. Um, another question here: Any idea for club are interested in Brandon Williams from Manchester United? Fullback who can play on both sides. He isn't really playing much about United. Another player not playing much who we were close to in the summer was Theo Wolcott. Did we go back in for him? Um, I actually did a little bit of a list of players that Albion could. Anyway, these aren't players that Albion are bona fide interested in, but players are on loan or free agents or, or whatever Albion could go in for. And I did have a look a little bit of a glance at Walcott, who's not playing. Um, but Brandon Williams, have you heard that one, Lewis, or is that sort of time? Oh, I, I don't know if um, the person that sent this question in had, had seen that anywhere or whether he'd, he'd plucked Brandon Williams. Uh, it's an interesting name, I've got to say. And, Again, I, you can. Did the, did the question ask us say you can play both sides? I think he's he, he has been known to possibly do either side, hasn't he? It'd be an interesting one. That um, he was at Norwich at one point, wasn't he? Was that last season? Uh, yeah, potentially on loan. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Not a bad player. When I've seen him at left back, which I think is his natural position, he's he's been pretty decent. I think Albion had had much rather swoop for a right back, wouldn't they? If they could had the choice to get one in. Um, between now and then. No, I haven't haven't heard Brandon Williams' name directly with Albion any time recently. Um, but it's it's an interesting name. Um, and if he can do a job on the other side, I know he's predominantly left-footed, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that, but then he would be a sort of viable, sensible option, particularly maybe if Albion um, sneak up this season. So, yeah, maybe one to keep a, a vague eye on. Um, not a bad shout at all. But yeah, I'd... I'd certainly like to to look on the right side of defence. And don't get me wrong, I think you could do work on the left as well, but I think look at the right first. Yeah, thanks very much for your question on that one. We'll keep a keep an eye on that uh, transfer link. Um, question here from Tom Electro Decay. Simple one. Are we going to do it, Tom? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. There um, you go. Definitive you go. answer. Yeah, Move on. I've told you now. I've told you. Um, Final one to come from Spencer George. Uh, now, Albion fans I might have seen this. Are there any any thoughts on the recent news that upwards of 80 Chinese companies slash people have a stake in West Brom due to the way in which Lai raises money to buy the club? Are the EFL looking to any of this or just willing to be bystanders? Now, it's a difficult one to answer on that one, and I'm sure it's a question that will be put to whoever at the club when possible. Um, if correct, Lewis, I, I, you know, I read the piece and, and where it had come from. Um, it's alarming, but not surprising. But it's hard to pass judgment on something we don't really know an awful lot about, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Any any thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the thoughts are if that is the case that it's um, extremely worrying and concerning thing to read. But yeah, you're right. Obviously, we need to need to, need to look into that and find you know be able to ask the question and see see what we're told. But look, it's it's just further muddies and murkies the the situation that's going on out there that is it just feels like beyond the control of any Albion fan and obviously which makes things look more of a mess if that is the case and just way more to obviously untangle um so many more questions so yeah not uh not what you want to be reading but um yeah difficult to say more at the minute no, it's difficult. Thank you very much for your questions, Baggies fans. We'll be back next week where you can put more questions to over to Copsy. Um, right, time for a quiz. TJ Smith, he's been back head-to-head. The Lewis Cox, Johnny Drury showdown has finally arrived that we've been talking about for so long. 
Uh, me and Cox, you got stuck into one of TJ's quiffing, TJ Smithy's quizzes earlier today, and this is how we got on. The quiz is back, and it is a special head-to-head. We've been promising this for a few weeks now. We've tied him down. He's finally got the bottle to take me on on the Baggies broadcast quiz. Cox is here. We're going to take on some of TJ Smithy's tough teasers. Morning, gents. What have you got for us today, Tom? Uh, so, because it's Cox's first quiz, we're going to ease him in <laughs> nicely. We're just going to do it for this season. He's got to start revising for the past seasons that have happened. Yeah, we'll so make sure we, that happens. I, I, I don't know about revision. I've logged on this morning totally unaware of this and been thrust into a quiz. <laughs> He's lying. Reckon, He's lying. I reckon it's Johnny Sabotage. <laughs> just, just so he can get a win under his belt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nah, I'm, I'm feeling... Uh, Less than confident. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. I've got a blunder in me. We'll see how we get on. <laughs> no excuse. I've been to every game. I well, yeah. You've also, yeah. Just I've chance. written enough words. I'll let the newbie go first. He can come for newbie to the oh, quiz. He can go put first. Put me into that as well. Cheers, Yeah. Man. Which two players have featured in every game this season? Um, Do I get a chance to steal? Yes. Oh, nice. Right. Uh, is there any other uh, rules in this format that I should be aware of before, uh, John, before Johnny steals in and steals my question? <laughs> no, that's I'm, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident one is Dara O'Shea. Yes. Um, and this is not just featuring, this is starting every game as well. Oh, so, uh, by the way, is this league only or is it all comps? Do we know? This is just league only. Oh, league, yeah, okay. Uh, it started, wow. Um, Come on, Coxie, because I'm going to steal this. All right. I don't, I'm sorry, let me have a think. <laughs> Dara, Dara came straight to, to my head. Um, Jed Wallace. That is correct. Ah. Get in. I was ready there. As I said that, I was unconvinced, I've got to say, but I'll take it. (laughs) Solid start. Solid, solid start. Get in. Right, a bit of an odd one for you, Johnny. (laughs) I can't make them harder just for me. (laughs) This is just out of the order. Oh, right, okay. How many different goal scorers have we had this season? Oh, my God. (laughs) This is a sabotage. I won't be stealing this. I'll cut all this out. Eleven? No. Coxie, you get to steal. Oh, um... I'll 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 do do closest. We'll get the point. Okay, um, I'll go... The, the the number that jumped to my head was ten. It is one all. It was actually sixteen different 16. goal scorers. Oh wow, wow! Ooh. I might take yeah. that to Carlos's press conference today and uh, and say we spreading the goals around. There you go. There you go. He brings more than just questions to DJ Smith. <laughs> yeah, stat stat man as well. Yeah, right. One all. Come on. Okay. So Coxie. Who has had the most goal involvements this season? Oh, that's good. That's a good question. 
Um, and this is still league, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Tricky. Very tricky. I think... I, uh, I'm going to go with Wallace. It is Wallace. He's had four goals and five assists. Get in, get in. Yeah, I was thinking about the fact that Swift takes. Um, I was gonna. I would have said Swift. I yeah, said yeah, Swift. yeah. Swift. Wallace has scored a couple. And I was listening Yeah, and I know. Um, obviously, Thomas Sante's got seven goals, but not all in the league as well. So. Yeah. Right then. Next question. According to who scored, which Baggies player has the highest pass percentage? Completion. You're Kushley. No, it's not. Chance to steal. His questions are well easy. <laughs> I'm not having this. This is sad. He's not, Hold on, Johnny. Not... You just openly admitted that you'd have got my last one wrong. I'm not having that. Yeah. You're not, um, you're not coming up know. quiz again. I, have like, to get I, don't, I don't. I don't know, and I, I don't know how. I, oh, actually. I was going to say a midfielder that isn't Yakushlu, but I think I've changed my mind at the last second and I'm going to go with Dara. Dara O'Shea? No, it was actually oh, Malumbi. I was going to go with Malumbi. Is it Malumbi? Malumbi? Yeah. No! No! 86.5. Oh my God, he was the one that was in my head from the second you asked it. Oh, that's a... yeah. I went centre half because they just pass it between themselves all the time, don't they? Malumbi, Malumbi just loves it. Like a it was actually, pass, it would have been a Jai's second at 84. Oh, no, I'm gutted. That's what you get for changing your mind at the last second, isn't it? One-all, still. It oh, is. Right. One-all, still. One no, 2-1. 2-1. It is 2-1. 2-1. Which player has had the most Man of the Match awards this season? That's Coxie. Coxie, isn't it? Oh, um, that, is it? Are they given by the club's official uh, Twitter, are they? This is one I found off a website and it's oh, like right, okay. a, lo a load of stats. No, 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 no that's fine. Um, oh, man. Just torn between a couple. Um, go on, I'll, prob I'll probably say Wallace again. No. Chance Damn. to steal. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'll go Yukushlu again. It is Yukushlu. Oh, oh, nice. Yes, it is. Yeah, he's back in the game. Do yeah, all. Yeah. I actually like this quiz now. Man, I keep it in the crossbar. <laughs> oh. How many have we got left? We've got three left. Three left, right. Let's get, get going. Come on, I'm quizzed. I'm all quizzed right. up now. I'm all fired up. Who is the one and only player to be red carded this season? Carl <laughs> Bartley. It is indeed. Yeah, he takes the lead, comes from behind just like Alvin at Luton, leading 3-2. I'll end it's the top of the net. <laughs> Cox, he's like Rob Edwards on the sideline. <laughs> right then, in minutes of 10, when on <laughs> average do West Brom concede the most? Concede? Um, this is like University Challenge for the EFL. That's a grim one, Tom. Concede the most intense. 
Uh, oh, oh man, I don't know if I get this wrong. Johnny's just going to steal in and tap in another open goal. Um, I'll I'll go between ten and twenty. No, it's not. <laughs> but the chance to take it all. God. God, I would have said that. Oh wow. I'll go 20 to 30 then. Coxie was closest. It was actually in the first Did 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Was oh. I was thinking of verse 10. Then I was like, oh, ah. 22%. Wow. Oh. Point for being closest, surely. In the first 10 minutes of the games. No, you can't have that. a point for that. Yeah. You can't have a point for that. 3-3. Yeah, three, three. Three left. One left. This is One the last left. question. Last question. In minutes of 10 again. When do West Brom score the most? And this, this is, is John, right? This is for Johnny. Fifty to sixty. It is indeed. <laughs> good shout. That sounded right when you said it. It's always because well we got under Bruce. We had to try and come from behind all the time, and then <laughs> yeah. under Carlos, he must just. Give a big speech at half time and get them going. So, I lost that when I bailed out on um, my faith in Jason Malumbi's passing. That was the moment. That, <laughs> that was, was a downfall. Just turned it? on its head. Think you should apologise oh. to Malumbi when you see him. There we that go, TJ Smithy. That top was quiz. There for the, that was there for the taking. That was. I'm furious. Never mind. Just come back next week and try it all again against the master, won't you? <laughs> Never mind. Right. Cheers, TJ Smithy. There we go. Coxie, it was a tight affair, wasn't it? Gutted, really. I'm still gutted. Um, should have yeah, stuck with the Jason Malumbi answer. It could have gone the other way, Johnny. I've got to say, it could have. I, if I'd have stuck to my guns, I think I'd have been home and hosed. And, and, uh, and yeah, the, the, my, my, my second guess for man of the match was, was the yock as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm gutted. I let that slip through my fingers on my debut. Never mind, you'll be back next time for a... To have another crack at it. Um, finally, we're just going to wrap up today's pod. Um, we're not going to talk Burnley. We'll talk about that later in the week, as we said, we'll bring you a, bit, a little bit of an extended video. Um, FA Cup tomorrow, Lewis. Do you expect Albion to be weaker than they were in the home, or the chest of the away tie, I suppose, the home tie for Chesterfield, um, given that Saturday was a bit of a gruner and you know, said the likes of DK put 90 in, there were some big shifts in there. Can we expect quite a few changes? Um. Yeah, I mean, 11 changes were made for the first tie, weren't they? And like, it wouldn't surprise me if 11 changes were made again. However, the Thomas Asante suspension, I suppose, makes that a little bit more difficult unless you turn into youth, which I think Albin might have to, you know, given what we said about Malcolm and uh, and possibly Cleary, just because of a, a lack of other options. But you're right, they <laughs> Albin could have really done without Luton being such a slog, couldn't they? Um such a tricky one, but I think I feel like Kenilworth Road is always such a slog, and you've always got to um, run that hard to to win there. Um, and it just it, it's just the game on the horizon, isn't it? It's just the fact it's Burnley away, and it's certainly the fact that it's Friday night. As I've said before, you cannot take any chances against Chesterfield tomorrow. I don't think you cannot risk any players. I think that are going to start at Burnley. Um, so I think you make all the changes you can. A lot of that second string get. A, a chance to redeem themselves really for for what did not go their way at Chesterfield and and maybe a youth or two that'll be good to see as well. We'll get a hint about that by the way because the twenty ones are playing today 
Monday at Leeds. So, um, so if there's sort of no Malcolm and no Cleary on the team sheet there, that'll be the big, that'll be the big giveaway, won't it? About their yeah. involvement uh, at the Hawthorns tomorrow. So yeah, I'm like, it'd be a, it'd be a, something a bit different, won't it? Obviously, the away <laughs> end will be booming for Chesterfield. They'll, you know, it's a, a different trip for them, isn't it? I, Remember the last time Chesterfield would have been at the Hawthorns? I haven't looked that up, but uh, it would have been a good while given the teams hadn't played each other for 75 time, years, yeah. had they? Um, so yeah, new ground for all those away fans, and uh, yeah, hopefully reduce tickets, get get some people in, and the second string need to need to show something, don't they? Because you know, overall they didn't you know, clearly didn't do nearly enough in the first tie. So yeah, um, hopefully the the first choice boys will be able to put their feet up and not be required from the bench. Is is the is the main aim? Yeah, well, hopefully Albion can book that place in the next round of the cup. There you go, Baggies fans. On the field, it keeps getting better, and King Carlos can do no wrong at the moment. It is a huge week for Albion. Hopefully, we'll be sitting here in a week's time. We'll be in the fourth round of the FA Cup, and we'll have three massive, huge, precious points in the bag. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, and as always, for me and Coxie, boing boing.